Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. Sis Zodwa is my guest today for this new episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi. Sis Zodwa Mazao is an independent non-executive director at PSG Consult and Bitless Bank. She was previously employed as the head for money and economics by the Central Bank of Lesotho and company secretary. She has since retired after her role as a senior deputy general manager, financial markets at the South African Reserve Bank. She received her undergraduate degree from the National University of Lesotho and a graduate degree from the University of Glasgow. Thank you so much for making time for me. I know for you, this is not your favorite thing to do, but uh, I'm very honored. Uh, I think we could all um, gain from your wisdom. Uh, assuming I don't know anything about you. Um, where were you born? Do you have siblings? And how did you spend your childhood days? I was born in what used to be called Masaging in Soweto, mm -hmm. which was literally a shanty town where most professional nurses were located. Really? I yes. didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, which subsequently became where Rockville is now. Ah, is that where Rockville is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a shanty town? You know, it started as a shanty wow. town and people built for themselves and then the government then built their four-room houses. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And how did you keep yourself occupied as a child? I actually did not grow there, grew up there. We moved to Dube. Oh. My parents, yes. as business people, yeah. uh, were given plots mm -hmm. and they were able to build themselves a house there. And I'm one of five children. Uh, my eldest sister, Doreen, followed by my brother, Tintin, my two other sisters, Jean and Kodogi, and I'm the last born. <laughs> Do you act like a last born? Yes, in that I've learned to assert myself because all of them yeah. were uh, practicing being a parent on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to learn to, to fight for your individuality. Yes, and to know that I don't have to say yes to everything <laughs> they tell me. <laughs> My parents were mostly away from home and the hierarchy in the family was very strict. Wow. We knew that when my sister Doreen says, don't, you, the, you the assistant parent has spoken. Yes. So it, gradually it went down. I didn't have the pleasure of doing that to mm. anybody because I was the last yeah. one. But I soon figured out that I don't have to listen to everything <laughs> that they tell me to do. And they listening. Yes. <laughs> um, what do you think your unique value proposition is? If you are not here tomorrow, what will the world uh, miss about you? I am a very good team player. I'm able to rally people around a particular task or event or anything that we need to do. Um, when I first arrived at the Reserve Bank, uh, black people that were there, we're kind of all over the place and we all felt lonely in our own corners. 
and we all had uh, a number of challenges, the issue of transformation, of integration, and of sharing information. And then, together with the likes of Dr. Kuma, we were able to get together and kind of form a very formidable team of people, a resource that we could count on. Yeah. And then I saw that I was one of a few black senior people there, and I thought that the women uh, were lagging behind. Ultimately, my focus became pushing those women that I saw potential in and making sure that they got promoted, they got recognized for the work that they did, and in turn, they themselves lifted the others. Yeah. So, wow. what a great I, legacy. Yeah, if I were not to be there, I think I've got a few people that I either mentored or helped them mentor others that um, I think that they'll miss that about me. Yeah, that's a great contribution to make. So you were the Senior Deputy General Manager of Financial Markets at the South African Reserve Bank, which we call Saab. Mm. What are financial markets? I mean, you know, we take it for granted that we, we know what we're talking about. And why should ordinary people care about their impact in their lives? Um, loosely speaking, um, financial markets uh, are a platform in which you can uh, trade uh, shares, equity, bonds, and foreign exchange. Um, in addition, it is uh, what the Reserve Bank does by way of ensuring that the banks operate uh, efficiently and prudently to make sure that the banks don't ever fail because mm -hmm. the consequence of that would be uh, traumatic. Yeah, it's quite systemic yeah. in the economy. Yeah. Also, um, if the Reserve Bank, on behalf of government, manages the foreign uh, reserves of the country. So that is part of the foreign, uh, financial markets. There's an aspect of the international aspect and there's the, the aspect of domestic market. So the domestic markets is where we monitor and make absolutely sure that the banks are properly managed and enough care is taken to make sure that they do not risk the deposits of the ordinary yeah. person. Internationally, we, the Reserve Bank, um, would make sure that it has it accumulates reserves to make sure that we are able to uh, borrow abroad and to repay that money and to be able to be ranked uh, uh, with other central banks because. Um, you'd find that uh, rating agencies would look mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. how much each central bank is, yeah. uh, it, it has, and um, in, by that it allows them to rank whether or not you can borrow from yeah. international markets. So it really does impact our, our livelihood it's as much as we don't. Yes. So, which is why it's also important in terms of the leaders of these uh, financial institutions. Yes. That they are of character and ethics yes. that make sure that our resources in there are safe. Yes. Another important aspect of the reserve bank is to set an inflation uh, targeting or mm. monitor it because it's set by government. 
to make sure that inflation does not run away yeah. with us because that's the only way it provides you with certainty to say this chair that I bought last year for 2000, next year it could be at the 2001. But we do find that where it is not properly monitored, today you buy a chair for 2000, the very same chair, tomorrow, literally tomorrow, becomes 4000. So planning your finances becomes a serious problem. Yeah. People are not able to plan and to make sure that their money, the money that they receive, is able to buy the things that yeah, they need. And go far. Um, I remember for my, it was my PMD, Program for Management Development, I did my assignment in inflation targeting, which was quite interesting at that time because we had to decide whether it was the right uh, policy to follow yeah. as a developmental state. But hey, that's another conversation for another day. What is the best advice you've ever received? What did it say and from whom? On reflection, I think the best advice I ever got was from my father, who was a hard worker, but who attained quite a lot, but remained uh, very humble. He told me that sort of, uh, when I said that so-and-so is asking for that, so-and-so says, yes, in life we have to remember that to whom much is given, much is expected. And he say, uh, you can never be a shining star on your own. You do need other stars around you. It is better uh, for ethic and it is better for everybody it, to provide light when you've got other stars surrounding wow. you. That galaxy is better than a single star. Wow, that's amazing. Absolutely. So that's where the giving spirit comes from? That's where the giving spirit comes from. What profession did you want to follow as a child and why? <laughs> I have to try and uh, not giggle about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, surprisingly, I, because my mother was a nurse, who subsequently became um, a matron, uh, so I wanted to do nursing but from uh, the angle of being a nutritionist. Oh, okay. Because she used to say most of the conditions that black people have have to do with nutrition, not eating well, not eating enough, and so on. So I completed my trip and went to get forms at the Nelson Training College and brought them proudly to my sister Jean. And she says, you are not doing anything like that. Do you know what it means? You'll be washing people, you'll be cleaning up after everybody. You cannot do that. Yeah. Throw these forms away and go and apply to go to university. Yeah. Which is how I ended up going to University of Lesotho to study economics. <laughs> Mike you at that time, I wasn't quite sure what economics was. Yeah. Uh, it just said I'd done very well in maths. Mm -hmm. And she said, no, this is kind of thing that is uh, trending now. So, so we should be grateful to her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Zal Jean. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, and she ended up going into the science field. Sciences. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but if you had to travel back in time, what would you do differently in life? I actually would have liked to do something that 
would enable me to contribute societally. Um, I think at the time that I completed my degree, there weren't too many, I don't want to say role models, there weren't too many people from whom you could get career guidance or to help you get a scholarship or to identify a university for you. Yeah. And so we did that as a family. My mother spearheaded that mm -hmm. and made good contacts in Lesotho and Swaziland and would always say, let's try to see if we can put your child in there. But I think had I told myself, right, um, this is what I am more passionate about, I should have done that. And I think I would feel a lot more fulfilled than I do now. Yes, sir. Mm. But I think we're happy where you're at, in the <laughs> economic sphere and in the boardrooms. Yes. But it's interesting, hey? My mother, I wanted to be a photographer. Yes. She tore up all my application forms. It's like no child of mine is going to take so I ended up in varsity. <laughs> but I still like photography. Yes. And people think it's got to do with social media. No, I've always loved photography, even yes. as a child. Um, you experienced aging parents before they passed on. What wisdom can you share, particularly with professionals that tend to be career-driven, focused on climbing the corporate ladder, about the phase of life and the impact you live with as their child when they have transitioned? I think I got, being the last of five children, I got to have a much deeper relationship with my parents because I think they were a lot more relaxed at the time. So we shared quite a lot, we mm. talked and I got to realize how much they had went, how much that of their time and resources they sacrificed to ensure that we went to schools in Swaziland and Lesotho and we're not subjected to Bantu education. And as such, I, as they got older and we're becoming more frugal with their almost non-existent pension, I felt the need to take care of them, to make sure that they have the things that they had given us and to share my time with them. And I used to go home without failing every weekend wow. to make sure that, even if it meant just delivering stuff, yeah. I'd cook, make sure that it is the one day of or two days of the week where they ate the kind of food that my mother used to cook for yeah. us. Because now by now they were being cooked for by the help that they got and obviously it was different kind yeah. of thing. And we got to talk about many, many things, and I benefited a lot from their wisdom. My mom would say, do not ever pee under a tree, because one day you'll want to go and enjoy the, the shadow of that tree. Simply saying that um, where you are, do not burn mm. bridges, because one day you'll come back to it. Yeah. Yes. It is, um, I mean, going through it now with my mother, I mean, it's the most precious journey yeah. you can go on. Yes. And, uh, I mean, we get very competitive and you look at the sizes of our businesses, the yeah. sizes of our cars, and it's like there is no money yeah. that can ever give like me that. the joy I have. 
you know, you, you can't be spending two or three weeks with your mother if you have a business, but yes. it's a choice that I, I, I have. Yes. So that is, uh, is, is good because then people spend so much time regretting. Yes. Wishing yes. I had done that, I wish I had spent more time. Yes. So that was a blessing. Um, have you ever found yourself in a situation, whether at work or in love, where you suppressed a huge part of your personality and character, where you felt if you expressed that part of yourself, you would not be received with prestige or retain the relationship. What is that part that you suppressed? How did you find the confidence to change the status quo? And what were the repercussions of your decision? Yes, um, maybe today I should mention that I worked at the at the, at the Lesotho Central Bank, which would be the Reserve Bank in Lesotho. Mm -hmm. And when I left Lesotho, I felt that I had outgrown uh, the Central Bank of Lesotho. I came to the Reserve Bank with a big drive of wanting to excel professionally and going as far as I possibly could. At some stage, um, I was earmarked for a position of the head of financial markets and that would have made me the first black person, let alone a woman, a female, to take that position. But it was at the time that financial markets both globally and domestically were all over the place. And I reflected and said, much as I want this, I don't want to be promoted beyond the pleasures of life. I want to be present in my children's life. I want to be present uh, as a partner. I want to be present in my parents' life. So I did not want to be promoted and find myself having to work almost 24-7. Yeah. So I know that uh, a lot of people were disappointed in that stance. But it is uh, something I knew I could never live with yeah. if I didn't. If I took that position, I would have had to sacrifice far too much. Yeah. And to me, it was just not worth, not worth it. Because sometimes our ego, I totally get what you're saying. Our ego, it's always great to be the first woman, yeah. to be the first. I mean, uh, since I started my business 13 years ago, you always asked to enter this uh, competition, these yeah. awards. And it's always nice to be the successful, but it's kind of like in the context of things, what really counts, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the idea that you will turn down such a position of being the first black female or female, I mean, it was, I can imagine, but that shows a lot of, I mean, part of why we're having this conversation, because I know it was a difficult choice for you, is for me, that's the kind of wisdom I've seen in you. It's the quiet strength, because I think sometimes the loud people in our society get the platforms. And I think uh, people like you are wise beyond words. And, uh, and I'm glad that at least our viewers get to experience that part of you. Um, what is the one global trend that, as an economist, you are concerned that South Africa is not paying attention to and may result in our economy paying a huge price for in the future. The one thing that worries me about our economy is the fact that um, 
generally we tend to uh, not do certain things when the economy is moving slowly, whether it is because of COVID or other things. What usually works for many countries and many economies is during that time when things are slow, that's when the government should be investing, mm. especially in infrastructure, so that yeah. when growth starts to come, mm. then you have that platform yes. to push that growth. South Africa is lagging behind. Its uh, infrastructure is dying. It is old. It is not maintained. It is um, just not ready to pick us up to the next level. You look at countries like Angola. Angola did exactly that. I'm not going to go into issues of corruption and yeah. so on, but at the time that they go immediately after the war, they, they invested a lot in infrastructure and that's why the economy was able to pick up uh, to go to the level of double growth, yeah. uh, double digit growth. We started from a high uh, platform and what we've tended to do is just uh, consistently um, go down, yeah. you know. We, we haven't registered growth for 5% for ages. And I think until and unless we concentrate on uh, infrastructure development, we will always be in the region yeah. of 1% and, yeah. and so on. I mean, is it my imagination? Because I remember when I had to do that assignment on inflation targeting, um, I mean, some of our professors, I mean, Rulof, both, I was one of our professors, and he was not too excited about inflation targeting because he was saying, coming from the background that we've come from, we have to have some type of tolerance for high inflation whilst we are building up our infrastructure. Because their view at that time was, um, we're coming from apartheid, Already the infrastructure was built for a minority. If you want that growth in the long term, you really need to invest in infrastructure. And it seems like we just came from apartheid into austerity measure of some sort. Is that the right way to look at it? I think that the inflation targeting is very useful because coming from apartheid, we had people more than... 70% of the people were living below the bread line. Mm. It was important to go on to inflation targeting to ensure that that grandmother who's bringing up so many grandchildren can almost be guaranteed that that uh, pension that she gets buys bread and other and some things today and it will do so again next month. Yeah. But without inflation targeting, if inflation was allowed to just go rampant, then it, was, it would have been meaningless for many people to... But how then do we balance that and vast investments in terms of infrastructure? The problem is South Africans uh, think that it is one or the other. It is not the case of one or the other. You have to do both. You have to ensure that the certainty in the population, they, you do not have inflation running, and, and once it does, you cannot, it is almost impossible to get it back. Yeah. You will have to go undergo even more drastic 
restrictions, restrictions yeah, to make sure that people are, uh, you, you bring it back. It was, we had a good start with infrastructure. All we needed to do is just maintain. Maintain, because yes. it's almost like we were working towards 2010. Yes. After that, it was like, yeah. <laughs> you see, this is why we still need brains like yours. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, I'm glad you're still giving that brain in terms of board, uh, board corporate governance. Uh, what is the one decision you wish you had ever made in life and why? Yeah, I think um, I went to school uh, leaving my young children, then five and seven, to go and uh, do my master's. Oh, in Glasgow? In Glasgow, yeah. Yes. I came back, uh, they were grown, independent, mm. and I kind of felt I didn't have room in this party anymore. My husband had stayed with the children whilst I was away. And when I came back, they told me, in no uncertain terms, we don't do things like this. So it took quite a lot of making for me to gain the uh, confidence back, for them to feel assured that yeah. I am available, I'm not going to up and go at any time. Because I think they were young, they didn't even understand when I came back for holidays that, okay, I'm here and then I'm going to go again. I, I think I lost their trust and if I were to do it differently, I'd make sure that we all go all, oh, at, the, all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. But I, it, not that you will stop studying, but at least all go at the same yeah. My mother also left, but she put us in boarding school. <laughs> we were just put, so I was brought up by German nuns, but anyway. <laughs> but I'm glad of the people that yeah. I met as a young child. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're still very close to them, so yes, you rebuilt that I, relationship. I had to work extremely hard <laughs> to rebuild <laughs> <to> rebuild it. <laughs> but we're very proud of the achievements. Mm. Um, what has been the highlight of your life so far, and why? Um, surprisingly, it is not my job. It is not. It is my grandchildren, mm. because um, with them. I can be what uh, I couldn't be to my children, in that with my children I had to be a disciplinarian and make sure that they do things, they behave well, they've got manners, <laughs> yeah. thank you, please, sorry, all of them. With them, all I do is just love them <laughs> and they love me. Yeah. Um, so, Grannies have uh, a, a good life. Yeah. Grandies and grandpas. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and all the kids say, oh. okay, you are not like that with yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, my daughters are very quick to say that, but I enjoy being the active grandma who goes and picks up children from school, who does picnic at the back of the car, and I fetch them and, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Uh, things that I couldn't do with my children because I was in a big hurry. Come, let's go. I drop them at school mm. and go back to work. No, you have the time. And at least you still look very young and very vibrant. It's always good to have your health. Yes, it is. For this stage of your life. Yes, it is. I am very healthy. Yeah. Thanks God. And I'm able to do quite a lot. I'm, I'm able to get up to a jumping castle with them. And, and, <laughs> and so yes. You see, the nutritionist, nutritionist mother yes. is... is um, it's, get the benefit. 
We almost, we can chat forever. Um, in, in your view, what do you think the meaning of life is? I think the meaning of life is to do what you do best and not compete with anyone but yourself. You really do need to compete with yourself to know that you can be your better self. When you read a text that you've written, um, a paper that you've written, if you go back to it, you'll always find that you could have said it mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. So do it and know that you are the best that you can possibly be. And do not be distracted by competing with everybody yeah. because you can never be anybody but yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, because ultimately you live yeah. with the regrets yeah. if you keep on looking at yeah. what other people are doing. Um, do you still have things on your bucket list that you still want to accomplish in this life? Yes, I still want to continue um, collecting books for libraries in the township. Mm -hmm. um, so I need to, I think, formalize that and make sure that um, I collect as many books as I possibly can. To... I wonder if I can part with mine, you know, I love I my know. books. Okay, yeah. I shall kind of commit to parting with some. Oh, I'd be so happy. I love my books. <laughs> okay. That's Any particular grade? No, not, absolutely nothing because there's a need, a huge need, right from grade zero to metric. And mm -hmm. even grade zero, not only just books and pens, drawing paper and all of those things. Yeah. Because if so you they can get their spatial. Yeah skills going yeah okay that's a nice one to contribute to yes i'd really love that okay yes. i commit mm. thank you thank you very <laughs> and also you guys that are watching please uh contribute uh, send a message to us so in closing what final wisdom would you like to share that we haven't covered so far i think that um, the tendency for younger people is to look for employment and I think looking at the level of unemployment that South Africa faces, anybody who has been to college or even those that haven't should look at what they can start so they can employ, even if it's just one person, because I think that South Africa will not, the level of unemployment will not attend unless all of us uh, make an effort of being an entrepreneur. And uh, if you don't have that bone in, in you, a non-governmental organization, but something where you know you're going to contribute, employ one or two people yeah. and change the life of one or two people. Yeah, and just imagine if all of yeah. us are doing that. Um, I always say, because you know how we are very derogatory with entrepreneurs that do not employ too many people. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, you're self-employed. You know? It's like, actually, the very fact that I'm not drawing on a grant, mm -hmm. I'm self-sufficient, is good enough. Yeah. And you'll find that those people are contributing to other, you know, like have people who, who provide services, even if they're self-employed. Yes, and, and, and it is so much easier for people who have got a particular level of education yeah. to do it because it's easy to leverage uh, funding or loans and 
with other people uh, it is a big big strain but if you do it you know you can start with somebody and you say now you're at a level away you can go and start whatever it is you want on your own mm. I, it, it should be kind of like community service um, informally mm. we each should start a little something that can either train people or um, employ somebody yeah that should be our mantra yeah. I, I believe in that um, which is why I also try and encourage professionals not just to work for global firms yeah but to also because as Africans ourselves we need to create these brands and corporations that even if in the long term it doesn't become like a international but you start somewhere and also stem careers yes. that we need people with those skills and hopefully more creative, more inventive, mm. create solutions for the many problems. Mm. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm very happy we had this conversation. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation with our hidden gem from South Africa and that this conversation has inspired you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified conversations with Durum Somi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified conversations with Durum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.